Hey everyone, and welcome to the 12th episode of the BQ Moonshot Podcast. This show is a show dedicated to building, gathering, and sharing inspiration for marathon training and running. I'm your host, Jacob, but this episode is left up to my other two co-hosts, Paul and Lydia. They talk to the incredible Kim Pawalik. I was sad to miss because I've heard some legendary stories about Kim, and she does not disappoint. Kim was a USA Marathon champion and qualified for the Olympic trials four times. She's also married to Keith Brantley, who we had on episode seven. She has tons of insight, knowledge, and grit, and is just a machine. And guys, I'm begging you, listen to the whole episode. It goes a little off the rails, and I don't really have any way to explain how it does. You just need to listen. So enjoy the show. Yo, yo, what's up, little lady? Hi. So, uh, it's just you and I tonight. You want to talk a little bit about why it's just two instead of three of us? Yeah, uh, Jacob, our boy, is um, he's got a lot going on with family time right now. So, we're going to take this one, just the two of us, to see how the world can handle just McRae squared. The McVeals. Yeah. Well, welcome, welcome to the BQ Moonshot Podcast. We do have some guests uh, tonight. Um, one, namely, Miss Kim Pawalik Brantley. Um, she's been. A you know, her husband has been a favorite podcaster, so she's got a, she's got some big shoes to fill. Do you think she's going to be able to fill those shoes, or what? Yep, she's going to fill the shoes, tell you exactly what kind of shoes you should be wearing, what shoes you should not be wearing. She's very bossy. It's why we love her. Yes. Yes. She's, uh, I think Mike Martinez here in town calls her the angry Asian. I call her the tiny assassin. I like that too. Well, do you want to give a little bit of uh, background on her and, you know, kind of talk a little bit about her? Yeah, so I want you know I won't give too much about her because I want to give her the opportunity to talk about herself. But you know, I'll tell my experience with her when I first. Um, I've got some good Kim stories, so <laughs> I don't know if I should save these for when we were. I think I'll save some of my stories for for her. But Kim sure. has been to the Olympic trials. I am not exactly sure four or five times. Um, she's one of the most in the com- marathon. In the marathon, yes. She's one of the most competitive, um, best racers I've ever known. She just can race. She knows how to race. So she's going to have a lot of knowledge to give. I'm going to save my stories for when she's on. Though, yeah. Because I think they'll be funny to remiss. But she I mean, is I one of att- mine and Paul's yeah. best, very best friends. Um, and so I'm really looking forward to hearing some of her story that I haven't even talk to her a lot about um yeah she's and now she's guess. like me she's getting a little older or a little into later years of her career and she's doing these amazing things again we want to talk about it now but it's going to be really interesting to see how her moonshot has changed kind of what her goals are have changed over that period of time and i'm just really excited to kind of hear you know because she's been at that level a whole lot better than me and 
you know, it's kind of cool to hear, you know, the longevity and how she, something that I've been struggling with, how she stays motivated, consistent. She's had some injury concerns, but she keeps pushing through. It's really going to be such a great conversation with her tonight. So, yeah, she's been, I feel, I will say she's been my mentor probably since I started running, um, competitively or, you know, semi-competitively and, you know, I've even chatted with her lately about what it looks like to make that transition to when you start to slow down because I feel like I'm around the corner with that. And um, she's done a really good job of that. And so I think if you're a listener and you want to, you know, think about like what she says about like, and let me preface that with she's going to downplay herself. She's going to act like she's not, but she's so good and she continues to, get the most out of herself and I think it's such it's so admirable I probably won't tell that to her face but she's it's so admirable um I'm kidding but um yeah she has she continues to just redefine what her limits are and what she can do and I think that's what we all should strive to be is just being what our best is at that time and I think that she defines that a lot cool well, until she gets on, we should probably talk about something else. Like so, what we have Lydia, um, obviously Jacob's not here, and we'll let him talk about his training for the last few weeks. Um, you know, people who are going to be listening to this will probably listen to it in, t- in t- not this next episode because we have something for that, but the episode after. And so right now we're probably about – Five weeks out, out from, yeah, yeah, five weeks out from your race, um, the same one Jacob's doing, and just fill us in on how things have been going. Yeah, so I feel like, um, you know, I'm trying to do the least possible to do the best I can, if that makes sense. I'm trying to, sure. you know, I'm really going for my big moonshot in January in Houston, so I'm trying to... Uh, not discount the Boston time at all, but I'm trying to do just, I, I really want to make sure I'm not pushing too, too hard for this uh, training, but I definitely feel like in the last couple of weeks that I've kind of turned the corner and I'm starting to feel like I'm, my fitness is coming around and, you know, some of that's just acclimation to the heat. Some of it's just me. I think I've just been really having fun on these runs. Um, yeah. Just really taking all the pressure off and uh yeah i've had some good workouts and not looking into it too much but uh yeah i've been having fun. so can you pick maybe a couple of workouts you've kind of done or long a long run in a workout or something that you've done in the last couple of weeks um that you've felt good about or talk, talk yeah about i mean that. i think you know you know with the heat i'm pr- i am someone that really really struggles in the heat i sweat a lot um for a girl especially. So I really do not perform well in the summer. And so uh, like last weekend we had a day that it was maybe 74 instead of 78 at 5 a.m. And I decided that day I was going to pick it up a little bit. And, you know, picking it up is not does not mean like I'm going marathon pace by any stretch. But I, you know, I picked decided I'm going to try to like push the pace a little bit and ran a good long run, had a good 18 miles and, um, you know, I think I finished in the 630s or something, which, you know, for a long run in Jacksonville, that was good. And then, um, 
you know, I did mile repeats this week and it's like, it's not, nothing in the summer is like, oh my God, you had this killer workout, but you know, I had a good four by mile, which is, you know, okay. And it was, you know, I hit some good paces for me, but you know, I think it's just, um, picking the days where you feel good and saying, okay, I'll take advantage of this. And then the days you feel bad, you don't look into those either. You know, it's just yeah. hot. And that, um, the, and that mile workout, um, you did probably drop, and I know it's not about comparing yourself to other people, but you did drop a lot of the other people who were part of your group. Um, and you know, some of them have recently run really, really well. So in races. Yeah. And I so. think it's one of those things where you, you know, that's why I say you can't really look into it because, you know, Two weeks ago, I may have been having a bad day because it's so hot. And then yesterday, you know, Wednesday may have been someone else having a bad day. So I think you almost just have to take advantage of the days where you feel like you don't feel you're dying. I definitely am feeling stronger. I've gone back to San Marco Strong, which is our strength training group. And I think I can definitely tell a difference. And I think I have, I didn't do that for any of the last probably four months until the last seven weeks we've been consistently going. And I can definitely tell a difference in like the power and um, I'm feeling stronger. Um, It's funny because I'm running about 15 miles a week less, but I feel kind of beat up. And that's just because of summer. Yeah. Um, I just think we have to remember that it's just so hot and, you know. Yeah. Well, I can agree with uh, your assessment. I think you are coming into shape. I mean, you and I are traveling and by the time listeners kind of listen to this we'll be up in park city utah trying to be the bowman track club but um you know i think you're coming into your own and you know it's going to be up at seven thousand feet and we can really start dropping down we can drop down a couple times to four thousand to run some track workouts and really get a gauge of what it what kind of shape you're actually in before this race um you know, I think it's going to be good for you. So I'm excited to see um, the nicer weather and kind of see what happens. So Yeah, I mean, I would say, like, for me, my moonshot is kind of, you know, it's not really this it's not really this October race. It's that January race. And, you know, I had the race of my life, and I'm at the point now. I'm 41 as of next week. And um, I'm kind of, am I slowing? It, it is, was that my biggest... Like, was that my last hurrah or do I have another one in me? And I'm going to go figure that out. And, um, so I think that's what we're trying to gear up for, like not using too much energy until, yeah. you know, October. And then you mean September? Yeah. September. <laughs> yes. Well, good. Happened. Well, let's talk a little bit about Jacob cause he can't defend himself and you know we like to make fun I of Jacob. I have to look up his workout. Let me just look it oh, up. Oh no, I can tell you his workout. Was it good? I already know it. Was it good? So today, because he comes back to Jacksonville tomorrow, it's 50 degrees up in Wisconsin or Minnesota or wherever he is. I, can, I don't even know where he is, but um, he was doing 20 miles with 3 by 3 at roughly 6.30 pace and his first two 3 by 3s were right under 6.30. And then under six thirty, huh? His they were under six thirty. Yes, that is yes. very fast. No, sorry, six fifty. Sorry, six fifty. I was wondering why you were giving him six thirty. No, no, I was no. like, Jesus, Paul. 
I'm sorry, I wasn't thinking about someone else. But yeah, he he was able to get under 650 for the first two sets of three. Okay. And then the last set, he ran a six, I want to say six, just under 650, and then ran 716, 716. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, and he's had a big week. Like, I've given, I gave him six by a mile on Wednesday when I gave him a lesser week. And he did his long run today Yeah, because he was going to be, yeah. So yeah. he did his long run. He's really only had one day to recover. So that's actually, yeah. that's a really good workout. And he did yeah. 20? He did 20, yes. Oh, yeah, that's great. That's great because he did, he did his, he didn't have but one day between. So yeah. that's actually really tough. And that was on him because he wanted to do it. Yes. Before they came home from Wisconsin, uh, which makes which makes a lot of sense because yeah, but I, it also means Dylan had one day to recover from yeah, six by yeah. mile, so that's well, uh, let's that's talk hard. about how hard it's going to be for him when he gets back to Florida for the next four weeks. Well, one of the things I would say is I've really been surprised at how people don't think about adjusting their pace in this weather, so. <laughs> It's like I told Kelsey when she was talking about this at the very beginning of the year about a, she was feeling crappy on a workout or something. And I was like, it's like going to altitude. You know, we're going to Park City next week, 7,000 feet. It would be like us going up there and getting on the track and expecting us to run the same paces as we're running in Jacksonville. It's not going to happen. No. No, you it's not. You have to adjust the paces. So tomorrow, I'm doing a workout. With Steve, supposedly. Hmm. We'll see. You know, mile on, mile off. Granted, I, you know, when I'm training hard and in cool weather, I'm doing two by five miles at 615, 625, you know, between 615 and 625 pace. I'm, like, worried about if I can do 630 to 635 pace for one mile on, one mile off. You know, like. Because the offs aren't incredibly slow. But, I mean, I just mean. You have to give yourself 15 seconds in a mile, 10 to 15 seconds. Yeah. And if you don't, you're just going to be, you're going to lose all your confidence because you're going to feel defeated every week. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. It's, I just, I, I'm just surprised when I'm coming to track and people are still trying to hit their time. So, like, yeah, that's great. You hit your time, but you probably put yourself in a hole, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, people quite often. <laughs> well, at least some of the people I coach will like I give them say I give them six thirty, they think they have to be under six thirty. If I say six thirty to six forty five, they still think they have to be under six thirty. Or it's a failed workout. And I have to remind people sometimes that, you know, each not every day you're gonna feel like a million bucks and you're gonna be able to hit those numbers. So Yeah, there was a thing and I know Alberto Salazar is terrible and the whole yeah. thing. Yeah. There was a thing I was reading like years ago where if they went out and they were supposed to do a three mile tempo and they were supposed to do, say they were supposed to do 510, you know, for their yeah. group, 510 to 520. If they were doing 455, he pulled them off and canceled. They couldn't run the rest of the day. Oh, wow. Like that's how important it is, you yeah. know, to do the, I like, like that. Your, your goal is not to go race every workout, you know? No. That's especially true. in the summer, especially in the summer. Cause I think, you know, we've yeah. learned the hard way that you can really, every single one of my injuries has been in July or August. So yeah. And in December. how's your training going, Paul? Um, well, not very good. Like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
And I'm not too I'm not too proud to say it. Um last couple of weeks have been really the last three weeks probably have been really, really rough. Um not really sure why. Um so I've kind of taken it pretty easy the last three weeks. Um cut the track workouts short. Um had a medical procedure, just a routine thing to kind of check some make sure now that I'm almost fifty check that things are okay and everything was fine but it meant that i wasn't able to eat for 36 hours anything other than laxatives and popsicles so that was kind of awful um and the day that you were just talking about the long run where you felt good that's the first day i felt like i could run and me being the competitive person i am tried to keep up with your group of people for 12 miles <clears throat> and let's just say um after not eating for 36 hours yeah so it, it went well for that moment but i think i put myself in a hole and um have really been struggling ever since so you know it is what it is i've got to remind myself that uh i'm not getting any younger and um yeah i, I think i'm gonna have to change some things in my training a little bit um I think when we get older, we try to hold on as long long and as tight as possible to, I can always do these things. And I've always been notorious for pushing my body as hard as I can, running through injuries or little niggles, um, never quitting. Um, my twin brother's the complete opposite. He'll feel an ache and he'll stop for two weeks. I'm the opposite where I'll, die by the sword on the sword or whatever that saying is and just kind of kill myself um and you know i think i'm getting to the age now where i just can't think like that anymore yeah so so what excites you as a coach over the next couple months i mean i'm really excited that i already have 50 and i was 54 um we're now at 59 people that have qualified with a time to submit for Boston. Um, my goal was to have 50. Um, I, didn't, I honestly thought we'd probably get closer to 100. Um, so that kind of excites me to see how much, how many more people we can get qualified by September 10th. Um, the day to kind of, the last day to qualify is September 10th and then we log on September 11th and kind of register for boston so we'll see how many people um kind of make it um but i'm really excited about a couple of things i really get off and get excited about other people that i coach especially you <laughs> um jacob i think i'm excited to see what he can do um it's going to be hard for him to break 305 and I think if it's a perfect day and everything goes well, he's got a chance. Um, but it's definitely not going to be easy. Um, I got really pumped by one of my athletes this week, um, Ben Wynn. Ben. Yeah, who, you know, I didn't realize he had been trying to get the BQ for as long as he did. I knew he had been trying, but I didn't know for, for, for as long as he did. He's been trying since 2017. He talked on Facebook about how he's cursed when it comes to the marathon. He'll 
schedule a race, pay for it, and it's always hard, or the weather is like torrential downpour or whatever. And so he's never even been close. And he went up to this race, fastest course in America. It's downhill, thinking he was going to qualify. Again, the weather was pretty hot and like awful. Fairly downhill, though. It's not like it's a. No, like the a, one he did in. Uh, you in. Yeah, oh, Mesa. That, one, yeah, that's. Yeah, yeah. yeah and sorry. Mesa was terrible, like really downhill. But it still counted, yeah. so it can't be too bad. So he ran a PR there, but he missed his qualifying mark. And then he went out to Washington, uh, Jack and Jill, this past weekend. Um, and it was hot. And it was hot, but, you know, not as humid as it has been here in Jacksonville. He's been having some pretty good. He was having some pretty good long runs and really doing well. And so, you know, he just hit his paces and just did it. I mean, it was just amazing. To he had see. the best splits, too. Yeah. He only had one mile in the uh, over 720, and that was mile 25. So, hey. What's up, Kim? This is, I've never done this before. Well, welcome, because this is new. This is probably the only thing you've got left to do in your tremendous <laughs> list of accomplishments. This is what's left in your life, Kim. One's favorite, so you got big shoes to fill. Oh, really? Um, so it's about, like, it's called BQ Moonshot. It started, like, with the BQ, like, Paul's trying to get all these people to Oh, BQ. Boston Qualifier. Yes. Right? Yes. But it's <sighs> Now all, I got it. So it's about, like... You know, for you, it's not a BQ. It's like you're like what you're shooting for really hard. So we're going to talk to you about like what you started with, like what like your big like the trials back in the day Mm -hmm. and like blah blah blah, and then like now how you've changed and it'll just be like talking to me and Paul. Okay. So it's like just a fun conversation, like you know, I guess you know cuz some people won't know who who you are we got people from portland um new zealand australia kind of all Jeez. over thing um so kim why don't you just tell us a little bit about how you got start like how you got started in running um i've heard the stories and it's actually pretty cool and then kind of how you progressed from there into college okay so welcome well- kim Thank you, Lydia and Paul. I'm actually very honored to have been asked. Probably would have rather not have been asked because I'm a little gun shy when it comes to these things. But (laughs) nevertheless, we'll guide you through. I'm happy to be here. So um, I actually got my start in running um, probably, well, gosh, I was forced into it, I believe. (laughs) Just because. Your mom, right? Wasn't your mom? My mom hated running. Oh, okay. Facts. I had um, a uh, somebody from the Boston Globe and the New York Times wanting to interview her because oh. of her angle on the whole running thing. Because uh, ac- athletics, there is no athletics in the Vietnamese culture for women. Gotcha. Okay. Back oh. then. Yeah. So it was all about academics. And is because people won't see you. Kim oh, yeah. Are you 100% Vietnamese? 50% Vietnamese, 50% Polish, which made me okay. kind of like the monkey at the zoo when I was competing internationally. <laughs> 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 
because they would see my last name and it's kind of, you know, it does look Polish. And then I would always have the Polish teams or the coach come over and say, Pavela, how? You know, (laughs) 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 and then I would have to, you know, explain I was the product of the Vietnam War. (laughs) Oh, gotcha. I love it. That's good. Yeah. So anyway, yes, my mom did not like the whole running thing. My dad did not care if I wanted to do whatever, as long as I got the good grades. So um, he fully supported, you know, all the athletics, but that didn't come till high school um, running anyway, because basketball and soccer and I could run the whole game or play the whole game without really getting gassed. Yeah, And so they, you know, I had um, a few of the coaches approach me and tell me I should try out for cross country. And I said, no, because, (laughs) you know, there was this, um, unfortunately, back then it was this, this look about runners, you know, Um, in high school, it was the geeky runners that look funny and... (laughs) You know, yeah. yeah, and where's the ball, you know? And so anyway, um, so yeah, it just happened. I mean, I always ran track, but it only ran the 100 and the 200 because they were the shortest distances and I didn't want to run any farther. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and so you, I love it. So, so anyway, the summer going into my high school year, I decided to go out for practice. You know, there was that two week window back then where you could, you know, start practice before school began. And I didn't train at all during the summer because I thought, why would I have to? It's only running. There's really, I mean, there's no skill involved except putting one foot in front of the other. And, oh, this is really bad to say, but I had never sat the bench before. It, I mean, oh. sports just came very natural to me. So I just thought, how hard could it be to run? So yeah. I got through my first day of practice, and I think it was only two-mile run, and I was dead last. I oh, was wow. a senior dead last. <laughs> I you were was, a senior? Yes, senior. In high school? Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's when I first started <laughs> the distance. <laughs> <in the way. laughs> that's awesome. Okay, so you were dead last the first practice, first practice, and then and then what 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 happened from there? And then I got mad and I was embarrassed, so I just started. We had two a days because some kids had to work and they couldn't go to morning practice, so we had the afternoon practice. I just went to both because I had to because yeah. it couldn't be last again. And then it kind of just snowballed from there, you know. Um, so what did you? So what was I, your? So your senior year in high school, what was your, because you probably did the two mile and one mile, right? Yes. And the 200. (laughs) So what did you run? Like, what was your mile in high school? It was only a five, five, 24. That's still pretty good. That's not bad for just starting. (laughs) And then my, what was your, I mean, that's almost my PR, Kim. (laughs) What's your, what was was your two mile? I think it was only 1124. Okay. Okay. And then you 200, we got to at least know what that was. It was a 27. (laughs) Maybe it was 26. No, 26 point. That's right. But I don't know. Do you think you go out there now and run a 26 point? No. (laughs) I don't think I can run a 36. (laughs) I've got to say, Kim, I ran 36 this week and felt amazing. (laughs) It's like I was like conquering the world. I I would. So did you, so then you went to UNF. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Did that was my second year of running. What's up? And you ran at UNF. Yeah, I had. I was the only one coming in that had yet to break twenty minutes for the five k. <laughs> you had not broken twenty, but but you probably hadn't run many either. No, but I spent all summer trying to break twenty minutes. I finally did it. I think I ran in nineteen fifty eight. My high school coach. <laughs> signed me up in various 5Ks in the summer just to try to get that 20 minutes. <laughs> well, this is probably explains a lot about the longevity, right? That, that you didn't, yeah. like, peak in high school, right? I mean. Yeah, because um, I only had one year, and then, you know, the four years of college, that was, you know, really only five years of running once I graduated. So when did you say in college, I'm, I'm pretty good at this? Oh... <sighs> Probably not till after. Because I know you probably never thought you were good at it, but. Um, it was after my junior year, I think. Yeah. Because I was always. Well, maybe it was my senior year then, because I mean, I was, I was about a basket to say, you're like, I just said before we got racing. you on, I'm like, she's the best. That's why I'm always getting on life. people about overthinking things. I overthought my races for. I was, but I was so bad in college because I would just stress about it, and I yeah, and I yeah, and I just thought you know more is better, and it, that works for a while. It works for yeah. a good while, but yeah. I think if you ask any runner nowadays, is if you know if there was one thing you could change, I think most would say that they would give themselves more rest days. Yes. Um, yeah. You know, and yeah. I just ran hard almost even on my easy days. I ran hard because I was running with the guys. Yeah. So I actually um, made for me big improvements in a short amount of time. And yeah. yeah, so I think so once I hit my senior year of college, I had won the UF meet. Okay. Yeah. The, the Florida the 5K, meet. right? Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, it was the cross country race. It was on oh. the home. It was not on the on the field. Yeah, the, the cross country meet, and yeah. I had won it. And I think that's when I was like, "Oh, maybe I can do this." So, what did like? Gotcha. Like, how did you go yeah. from? Okay, I was okay. Like, I didn't even run in high school, basically. Mm-hmm. To, well, okay, I'm running in college. Like, what point did you say I'm gonna be? I think professional running is an option. Um, so my senior year, like, nah, we were D2 at that time. So yeah. I finished, I think it was eighth at the national cross country meet. Then I finished second in the 5,000 indoors. Then I finished second in the 10,000 at Penn. Okay. Then in oh. the collegiate, in the collegiate yeah. division. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I won the 5k and the 10k outdoors so so your senior year was amazing yeah the senior year things were just falling into place finally because i got my head on straight and and honestly i think that was the year and tell me correct me if i'm wrong that you also no i might be wrong because it was that year that you went to the olympic trials no that was 2000 okay so i had four years of like kind of planning things out Mm -hmm. okay so when you went to be, so you became a professional and you ran for New Balance, is that right? Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm doing this all for my memory of being your friend, so I'm not doing <laughs> Good memory. Research. Yeah. Um, so 
you went to New Balance. So how many years was it before you like got into doing the marathon and the Olympic trials and all of that? Because then that just was a whole other thing. Yeah. So 1999, I ran my first marathon. But right after college, I obviously, you know, a lot of things that happen because you, you know, it's timing, right place, mm-hmm. right, right situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When did you graduate college? What year? 96. Yeah. Okay. And so Jerry Lawson was living in town. Jerry had an agent. Then I signed with his agent. And one of the things um, that, what was his name? Ron, not Ron Paul, something Paul. His last name was Paul. But anyway, um, he put me in all the national championship races. Oh, you know, like how River Run is the 15K. So they have that circuit. There's a national championship for the 5K all the way through the marathon. And so I ran so many of them from the year 96 all the way to 2000. And in 99, um, and he did that full exposure and experience. Get your name out. You know, um, back then, we I mean, there was the internet, but we also had race results weekly. And yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and every, you know, so if you made money, you were in the results. So yeah. if money was top 10 and you made money, you were in that top 10 results. If it was top five, you know, and so my name, because I kept on, you know, I just would, not every race, obviously, but, you know, if you're in the results, your name is there, which affords yeah. you more opportunities because people start to know your name. So anyway, by the time 99 came around, I had tied for first in that national championship. So good. What's it called? Wow. So that's what really catapulted me um, into the running scene. And then I became ranked. And that got you health yeah. insurance. <laughs> and oh, so, wow. Yeah. And that was through USATF, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's, yeah, that's the whole USATF circuit thing. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it took me a while. Yeah. So then when you made your first Olympic trials, what was the time you had to get? Um, I think it was 242 was the A standard. Okay. And I don't know what the B standard was because I was just you focused. Know, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is where you won Twin Cities, which was the national championships, right? Yeah. Oh, no, no, I, that, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, that, and that was, was. And didn't you run like 236? 237, almost yeah. 238. But yeah, so basically <laughs> yes. six minute One mile. Twin pace. Cities Marathon, which is a very hard marathon, by the way. It is a hard marathon for Florida. It is such a, it's so hard. It's such a hard marathon. They didn't even know who I was. <laughs> the lead, the lead. So was, was that it. the first time you qualified for the Olympic trials? No, no, I qualified at CIM. That was my first marathon. Okay. So your first marathon, you qualified for the trials. Yes. Yep. What was that? What was that qualifying time? Two forty-two. Yeah, and um, and oh gosh, this is bad to say, but my my plan was time-wise, I wanted to run sub two thirty-five, okay. and just because you know you do the training and you're doing yep. the math and you're sure. extrapolating things, blah blah blah. Yeah. And um, so you always have this if everything goes right you should be able to run this. So anyway, if everything went right, it was sub 235, but who knows how much under, because it was my first marathon, whatever, mm-hmm. you know? And um, 
anyway, that, what was it? Um, my hamstring had, I don't know what the heck happened, but um, there was just this really acute, tight, I mean, it was just so painful. It was like a knife to the back of your hamstring that never happened to me. And that was at mile 17. I looked at my watch and I'm thinking, well, I was just under 235 pace. I'm at 17 miles. I can still slow it down by a minute, almost a minute, a mile and still make 242. But who, I mean, at that point, you don't even know. And I was like, but maybe I should drop out because the pain was just so bad because at mile 18 i saw jerry lawson he had dropped out oh. so now i'm thinking do i drop out because i didn't know what happened to him and um and i feel like this is an injury but i have no idea and but i'm still running so i'm thinking maybe it's not that bad and i definitely did not want to do a marathon next month with a foul gotcha. yeah so anyway uh to make a long story short i get to the end of the race where they put the sign up, it's 800 meters to go or something like that. And I look at my watch and I have exactly three minutes. So oh. <laughs> three minutes to run a half mile to break 242. <laughs> oh, God. But I am just, just trying with everything I have to get to that finish line. And I get to the last left-hand turn and um, the lady at the corner is – screaming if you sprint you can make it and i'm thinking i felt like i've been sprinting the last mile <laughs> but anyway i made it in 241.58 oh my gosh that's so crazy <laughs> so how many times did you make it four or five four four mm -hmm. so if you look back on your because you have a very long career of running what would you say was like your biggest, um, like hardest goal you were trying to achieve and you got it? Um, you know, it's probably, it's, I don't know if everybody would say it, but it is really just finishing that first marathon because it's uncharted okay. waters for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and even though, Good answer. you know what I mean? Like, you're going into it and you have no clue. And even the elites will tell you, I mean, they're not, they don't have the answer for it because they have yet to do it. Nobody has the answer for it. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. And the, I mean, yes, you can be like Shalane Flanagan fit. You can be Galen Rupp, you know, blue chip athlete, but you still have yet to do the 26 miles in a race situation. And you don't know what the weather conditions are going to be like. You don't know what the field is going to do. Yeah. There's so many variables in the race. And I think, and anybody will tell you, you know, getting to the start line is half the battle. Getting to the yeah. finish line is the next battle. And, yeah. um, you know, getting to the finish line without incident is another battle in itself. And, yeah. um, that you know, mentally, that was, that was a big deal for me just to get to that finish line. Because so many things I thought had gone wrong. Um, yeah. but then you look back on it and they're, they're not really, they were not trivial, but you know, it's just a lot of things, yeah. you, you know, right. if, if you're not, if you don't get too emotional, if you can stay on an even keel, it's, it's not as bad as you think, but I don't know. I think women get a bit emotional, but they're the ones who stick to the game plan from start to finish, no matter what happens yes. Yes. in general, men 
have this time and this pace. And if they're not hitting it, they tend in general to bag it because it's all or nothing. Yep. I agree with that. You know what I mean? So I think, you know, and, and I hate to have those two generalizations, but I think for the most part, they, that's right. they kind of ring true. I mean, women are a lot tougher in adversity. Maybe that's what I should say, you know. <laughs> well, you do have to give birth to babies. Per- yeah, but when things aren't going perfect, they're still, you know, gotten it out out there. And yeah. they yeah. want to get to that finish line. And, and men are kind of thinking, well, this sucks, and maybe we'll try it again another day. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. <laughs> so Kim is uh you won one national championship in the marathon, right? Yeah. Is did you win any other national championships? No. Okay. <laughs> one and done. <laughs> but you were close in a lot of them. I don't know about all that. I was really but I think what you are so Kim, you are like I said, that probably taught you that because you're the best racer I know. Like you even if you don't practice it, like you preach it because you tell <laughs> all of us like all these things all the time. Like I was saying before the podcast, like you, you're like my mentor since, you know, probably 2012. <laughs> um, now whether I apply it is one thing. It just but. took you a while to get those headphones out of your ears. Oh, <laughs> yes. And now I tell every, and now I do that to people. Now I may, I'm like, Passing it, passing the torch. I was just like, how are you going to hear me if I'm coming up from behind, Lydia? No, you looked at me at Run for the Pies Elite Race and said, no elite racer ever has <laughs> headphones in their ears. Well, now I don't. Well, I, I can tell you this. I mean, there's been times, and Kim is definitely the most modest person. You are the most modest person I know. And honestly, there'd be like, you've been having like, not a bad season, but you'd be getting get you'd get beaten by certain people in town, other ladies in town, and you would like, yeah, I don't know how fit I am, and then run for the pies, which is a big race here in Jacksonville. It's a five k. They have an elite race, just so the listeners know what I'm talking about. And there's been there was so many times that you were not predicted to win. <laughs> every goddamn time you won that race. Like running away with it, it was like ridiculous. I don't no know. What, I don't know about running away with it, but well, maybe not. But I mean, I I just remember. Oh my gosh, Kim! I just remember you being one of the toughest. Like, I don't know. Like you would say, when I, I don't know whether I'm going to be able to even be able to keep up with uh, Michelle Kruger, uh, J.C. Pinto. Um, but I'm just going to, they're going to have to kill me to do it. And then you go out there. When I first started running, I was so terrified of Kim. (laughs) I was so terrified if I, first of all, I would never be in front of her. Like I was like, oh, like she would always have to be in front of me. And I remember one time, this is a really funny story. So my first run, uh, it was a tour de pain or some race in Jacksonville, 5k. And you and Michelle were in front of me, and I think there were some race tactics blocking me or something. <laughs> the mile, Paul goes up to you. I'm terrified of you. Like, I think you are a full-on villain. And Paul goes up to you and says, why were you blocking Lydia this morning? I, I saw you blocking that. <laughs> I wanted to die. You were my idol. I was like, 
I I wanted to kill Paul and divorce him. I was no dying. The right thing as like, no, we did not do that. And Paul was like, "Yes, you did. You blocked her." I, I did. Saw it. I was like, "I don't care. She can. She can. She can like do whatever she wants." With I me. was like, trying I to help like, Michelle though. <laughs> it was so bad. I was trying to oh, help God. Michelle stay ahead of you because. We're both older than you, right? Yeah. I mean, I know I am. Yeah, so she has to be as well. So it was kind of like, you know, we got to. It was more, it was one of the worst times. I may have gotten into serious trouble. You're one of my best friends. But at that time, I was terrified of him. (laughs) But he did the right thing. If I was him, I would have done that too. (laughs) So let's talk about this. So, one of the things that I think we should talk about is. The fact that, yes, you've made the Olympic trials multiple times. You are so well-known. Everyone, like Jacksonville for sure, but more than that. But I think that you have continued to find new ways to push yourself. And like, quote, new moonshots. So I know you're going to downplay yourself, but. But this is your moment to talk yourself up, Kim. But, like, what are you doing next week? Let's talk about this because I'm really excited. Maybe you've gotten to the side where where I talk to you about, I say you're, like, my mentor and helping me kind of figure out what are the next steps going to be, how, you know, when you start to slow down or maybe you're not as fast as. And you have, like, really, I feel like you are always trying to find what is your best Kim. Like, you really are really good at that. And whether you say it or not, because I know you downplay yourself, but you are very, very good at that. So how have you been able to do that? Well, you know, for so long, um, especially in running, when it's the, you know, the clock is black and white. Yes. So if you're going to put any effort into it, a lot of you has to become one-dimensional. And especially at that elite level. So um, I have been one dimensional probably almost my entire running life. (laughs) And um, so now that, you know, once you get older and slower, I started appreciating other people's um, successes, but in the way they, they, they achieved those. And they didn't have to be one-dimensional. I mean, look at you, Lydia, you freaking CEO. You're the top runner, you know, a top local runner. You're a top regional runner, you know, when you get when you put yourself out there. Um, but you're not one-dimensional. And I it took me a long time to get out of that. Um, and part of that is because I became so routine. When you're one-dimensional, you're very routine, you're habitual. And I'm an introvert, you know, by nature. No. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, that is so true. I love you, Troy, Kim. <laughs> so, so then, you know, my friend Linda Quirk, who will be 70 in February, she started, you know, trying to get me out of my comfort zone and just trying new things. Um, you know, now, I- before, you, before you carry on, Linda Quirk, Started the running, run, runners for recovery thing here in Jacksonville, yeah. right? Uh, so run well, run well, run well. So yes, yeah. you're right. Yeah. And so it's this. Maybe talk a little bit about that, so we kind of have a bit of a. So run uh, well um, was a non for profit that 
supported um, addiction, substance abuse addiction, but mostly supported those that couldn't afford the treatment. Gotcha. Because those that needed the treatment, probably 90% of them could not afford it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Linda and Randy, the daughter, um, found herself in that position. They were able to get her into treatment. But while doing so, they noticed the fam. That's when they noticed other families that were applying for financial aid. You know, there's the tears. It's emotional. I mean, it's financially draining. So hence, Runwell came to be um, because of what they saw other families going through. We lost you. Yeah. So I actually just came, you know, I started working with Runwell back in 2014. And that's how I came to know Lynn. Linda. Um, and well, no, I came to know Linda because Keith was coaching Linda at one point, but okay. um, yeah. So, um, and you, and you worked for Runwell for a little bit, right? Yeah. For four years. Yep. And then, yep. um, the big treatment center that their daughter was, that their daughter had gone to, um, they, they're very traditional. I mean, I think it was established in in the early 1900s. And so, at yeah. that time, pre-COVID, so they were saying, you know, you need, um, you know, you're doing a great job, but we need you on site okay. <laughs> in Reading, Pennsylvania. So I said, oh, thank you, but no, thank you. Yeah, I'm not moving to Pennsylvania. Right. <laughs> so anyway, but yeah, <laughs> and um, you know, that was one of the big breakthroughs for me as far as like getting out of my selfish, yes. you know, one-dimensional mode. You know, yeah. having to think about others, having to think about other, you know, what their goals were and helping them attain them. Um, and, you know, that's what really pushed me out, pushed me out the door, you know, in terms of like growing. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I finally became an adult. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah. So now, I know she's 70 or just over older, a little bit older. Well, she'll then, be 70 in February. Yeah. She's basically been doing all these amazing ultras right yes um i I mean it's she's incredible because mentally she's one of the strongest people i know i mean her fortitude for you to say that it's a lot oh gosh i mean i just don't understand because i mean she will basically tell you she only has one speed and a lot of people that will say that um that's why they i think you know they gravitate towards the ultras more because you know in a 5k you need more than one speed but if you can handle the endurance and if you have that mental fortitude um nothing's really gonna stop you and that's what she does she's i can't keep up with her when it comes to hiking or power walking um she drops me every single time and but the thing is like i i want to stop after 20 miles and she just keeps going (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, it's, it's just tell um, us about your next, what's your next thing you're doing next week. It's called racing the planet Lapland, which is a territory above the Arctic circle. And it's a seven day, um, six stage, 155 mile race where you are. I mean, it's a self-sufficient race, meaning you carry everything on your back. So you're carrying, so let me talk about, let's talk about this. You're carrying a tent, water, food, everything. 
everything but the tent. They provide okay. you the tent okay. and they provide you the cooking water. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so, but I mean, you still carry water. I mean, you have these yeah. checkpoints, you know, so um, they provide so are you. Are you running? Are you walking? I think because my pack will probably weigh, I weighed my pack. It was 21 and a half pounds without my puffy jacket. That's a quarter of your weight. Yeah, almost. More than a of your weight. And I'm really mad about that because, <laughs> I mean, I'm 91, 92 pounds and I have to carry all this stuff. And you mandated 37 items and you mandated 14,000 calories for the seven days. So they say 2,000 calories a day. And, but I'm not as big as a 160 pound man. I mean, why do I? <laughs> very small. So I don't think I'm going to be able to run the first day or two just because I'm going to be so full. I mean, we have to carry. Right. I think they make you carry that. Yeah. And I think you have to carry like this is 21 and a half pounds without the water. So we're going to be mandated every day to leave to start the start each day with at least one and a half liters of water. And one liter is 2.2 pounds. Oh, my God. <laughs> So has this given you the satisfaction, like doing these ultra events? Has this give has this filled your void of like competitive competition or whatever? It fills the void of challenges. Yes. Because for me, yes, it's a race. Um, yes, there's a finish line. Yes, you're going to com- be competing, but it's a whole other type of competing. Um, like I attempted a hundred mile race a few weeks ago. And, um, you know, I mean, who the hell knows how to run a hundred miles? I certainly don't. And I'm just running along this guy and he's, and I asked him how, how, how long do you think this is going to take you? And he said, I'm hoping for 20 hours and we're running nine minute pace. Yep. And, you know, we're vacillating between nine and nine thirty. And I was like, oh, okay. I said, well, I've never run farther than 26 miles. So maybe I can keep up with you until we get there. And, you know, but I found it to be when you, you running slowly like that, it was a lot easier to run farther slower. Yeah. But I have no desire to run farther slower, if that makes any sense. Yes. Well, yeah, I don't want to do that. I'm not ever running more than 26 miles. Ever. Never. Zero. I've already turned you down like four times. So when we got to 27 miles, he goes, hey, congratulations on your, you know, your longest uh, <laughs> mileage ever. And I'm like, oh, yeah. And I'm like, thanks. <laughs> you know, so, um, you know, in that respect, and the one, you know, the attempt for the 100 mile, I mean, I made it to 58, but I only you don't, you can't run the, I could not run the whole way, okay. but, um, you know, in this, this stage race, it, it's a different type of challenge. I, it hasn't fueled my competitive, well, it hasn't filled the void of the competitive nature of things. And maybe it will, once I get out there, I don't know. Um, because I do have this yellow Josie for the leader. So, oh. <laughs> oh, that's good. I know. Right. Um, so you never know. That's I mean, kind of fun. That makes it fun. It yeah. does. So every morning, every morning, you know, the, the, you know, the lead man and the lead woman have this yellow Josie and, and Linda told me, you know, like there's, there's a lot of problems. That's, that that makes Josie. it a little competitive. Yeah. So, but I got COVID a couple of weeks ago oh, no. and, oh my gosh, I'm still reeling from it. So 
that put a huge wrench into um, like my plans for me, like how I would run this race. And uh, cause I go out now, I mean, today I ran 10 miles and I couldn't break 830 pace. Oh, wow. And so I'm just figuring, I don't know how I'm going to, you know, and, and I, and the, the crazy thing about COVID this time was I had nausea every day and oh. yeah, it was, the, I, you know, I get car sick and I get seasick and I felt like I was that every day, not all day long, but it came in waves and those waves lasted for hours. Like I went for a bike ride on Sunday I mean, I was out there for four hours and I just felt car sick the entire time. It's oh, the strangest no. thing. Yeah. So anyway, today and yesterday. So now I've gone three days in a row without the nausea. So I think I'm done with it. Thank okay. goodness. So now. Hey, that's I mean, horrible though. I couldn't have coffee, candy corn, ice cream, all my favorite things. And then I lost a bunch of weight. <laughs> and so. Have no weight to lose. I Yeah. I was waking up at 87 pounds. It was kind of crazy. So oh my, my God. Yeah, my biggest, and that's so that's why now I tell everybody I need to eat the candy corn and the ice cream because (laughs) I keep my weight up eating those things. (laughs) So yeah, so now now that I I can eat normally again, it's just you know um, getting the energy back. So so we'll see. I mean, I'm excited. So I love that you're doing these hundred mile endurance races. (laughs) Oh good, you can join me on the next one. No. <laughs> no. Uh, Kim, if you if you talk miles. Lydia into doing that, I will. I don't even know. I I don't know what I'll do. I, I like. I want to hang out. Like I'll come. Like be your. Like I would love to come hang out with you and Linda. So I'll come be your water food it's, person. It's so funny because um, this race has a thing called friends and family experience. So yeah. you can pick a person, and it's usually a spouse to come with you to meet you on day six. So that, so Wendy's husband, Linda's husband and Keith will be coming out to Wendy, Wendy Patterson. She's doing it. Yeah. Oh, that's remember I asked you and you said no. Yeah. I don't want to do that. (laughs) Well, that's hence why Wendy got asked because you said no is what Kim is saying. I don't want to do that. No, I I know I said, I don't, I always say no to that. We're doing 100 miles. So it's 150. Oh, and by the way, Kim, we don't have passports, so we couldn't have gone. Oh, yes, you do. Oh, Paul, Paul keeps talking about these damn passports. I'll talk about going to see his parents in November, and he says we don't have passports. It's so annoying. It's just I'm just saying it now just to make her upset. <laughs> but anyway, so like, you know, this friends and family experience, they come out, they camp with us. You know, day six is the second to last day day seven is when it's that ceremonial you know last eight miles to the finish line so the friends and family experience allow that person to come and spend the night eat the freeze-dried food you know it's it's very primitive um Mm -hmm. what we we even have to carry our own toilet paper So, so this is in finland this is in finland so anyway keith today i said you know you have they they have mandated items too so they have to bring their own sleeping bag. Um, they have to bring sunscreen. I mean, just there's a bunch of items they have to bring. And I said, Keith, you know you have to bring toilet paper, right? He said, oh, but I have the wipies. 
you know, like the baby wipes. Yeah, and I'm yeah, like, yeah. You have to have toilet paper. And he goes, Paul wouldn't survive. He only can use baby wipes. I love you, Paul. I swear to God, I love you. We're from the same mold. And I said, what if you get there? Because Linda said a lot of times, she goes, it's just a hole in the ground. Will you go? Yeah. Then, and, I'm, not, then I'm not going to poop. <laughs> I won't poop. And I said, you're going to have to pack your baby wipes. But the thing is, it's like when you go to Yellowstone or any national park in the U.S., you can't bury a baby wife, or you shouldn't. No. Who you said have- you can't bury a baby wife? I have never seen anybody ever arrested burying a baby wife. So I just said, you better have toilet paper because you might not, they might not let you throw a baby wipe in whatever they have you going in. And he gets all bent out of shape to the point of, well, I'm not going to go then. I'm like, so he is, I have had to plan this for the last three years only because COVID, you know, canceled the next, the one year. It's like a whole thing that should have happened three years ago. Yes. And so anyway, he. I wasn't going to, I said I wasn't going to go under the circumstances. No, he said he wasn't (laughs) going to. So here it is. He gets this tiny, has this tiny little meltdown over toilet paper. Uh, Paul would too, because Paul can't wipe with. Like, <laughs> That's what Keith said, and I was like, Paul brings his wipes everywhere we go. He has to have his baby. Wipes. I have the to go. The anatomy is totally different. I right. have to go to BJ's. Thank you, Kate. Thank you, Kate. I have to buy baby wipes in bulk. I don't buy them, Paul. All I know is they just appear in the bathroom. <laughs> all right, let's talk about something else. Yeah, let's do a podcast about baby wipes. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have Jacob edit this part out. No, yeah. we don't need to, but it is kind of funny. Um, Anyways, well, Kim, we are excited for you to do your race. Well, so when, when is it? Exactly. It's August 14th through the 20th. And okay. um, again, it's called Racing the Planet. And uh, you can. So there's a thing, it's called the Cyber Tent. Yeah. We're not allowed to use our phones during the week of the race, but because we signed up for the cyber tent, you go in there where there's Wi-Fi and you can, they call it writing a blog, which to me, it's, I don't know what platform they're going to use, but you can, you can write about what happened that day or how you're feeling. And people that have the link can comment back and send you good luck wishes or anything they want to say, you know? And so um, that's going to be my way of, I guess, keeping in contact or with, um, well, well, with Keith. But because, like I said, I don't know what platform they're going to use. But um, I don't know if I'm going to want to write every single day. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they say you have a meltdown. Everybody has a meltdown. And I don't want to have a meltdown. In fact, I want to, I want to like, I want a video of the meltdown. Wendy texted me and she goes, who do you think is going to cry first? And I said, I'll let you do that. <laughs> I don't do. I think you'll cry first. Heck no, I don't want, I don't even want to cry. I'm just going to get, I mean, I almost had a few meltdowns just trying to pack my pack. Like, You're like, I'm too small. I shouldn't have to carry 120 pounds. Oh my God. It was just so bad. And I had a meltdown at before mile three in that 100 mile. I mean, it was. <laughs> when are you guys back? 
the 25th. Okay. So we'll have we to get, get together after that. Definitely, because we have been saying we need to get together. Yes. And we probably need to talk to you again on the podcast to kind of find out how it to went. Follow up how it went. Yeah. <laughs> how many meltdowns I had. Because oh, I can't wait to hear about it. I, just I am going to just be. So I'm going to, this might be, this is, you're going to have to edit this out. But okay, so this, you don't have showers, right? Okay. So you go yeah. in the whole week and Linda said, Oh, don't you, you smell? You just bring one pair of shorts, one sports bra, one long sleeve, one short sleeve, and one pair. Wait, you wear this the whole week? The whole week. Your shorts the whole week? The whole week. Lydia couldn't handle that. Now, and there's no showers. So you can bring toilet paper. And yes, we can bring baby wipes because they say, you know, it helps. You yeah, can. But your shorts are going to stink. Okay. So in the Vietnamese culture, <laughs> there's this, <laughs> you know, they call the vagina a gong gene. So when yeah. I was little, my mom would always tell us, you keep your gong gene clean. And so okay. the funny, so it's kind of less vulgar and it's a, it's kind of a joke. And I told this to Wendy like years ago about keeping your gong gene clean. So right. she decided she was going to do this race and found out that it's very primitive and no showers, nothing. She goes, she texts me one day and says, how are you going to keep your gong gene clean? Right. <laughs> exactly. Cause it's different because. How are you going to? Because when you have to go pee in the trail or poop in the trail. When is the shower going to happen? Like, I, I have there's to no shower. That. There's no shower. I have How are your shorts not going to stink? What's that? So, are your shorts going to stink? So this is what I've decided to do to keep my gong gene clean. That's, that's too much. I you have to have bring. To, you have to have, are you not going to shave for a week? Oh, Can't just let her finish. So what are you going to do, Cam? I shave twice a day. I <laughs> So, Kim, what are you going to do to keep you? I'm going to bring a pair of, I never race in underwears, nor do I wear them when I run. But yeah. I'm going to have to wear a pair of underwears every oh, single Oh, that's smart. So I will, and they have trash. You'll so discard the underwear. Every day. Yeah, I like that. And then I think what I'm going to do, like you're not allowed to use your drinking water to wipe off your body or to wipe you you know to to clean your clothes but if i'm out there and nobody's around me that water bottle will become my personal bidet (laughs) 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 that's how i will keep my gong gene clean and i am excited about that that's the only thing i'm really excited about i can't wait to get on my own like away from everybody And clean my gong gene. <laughs> oh my god. This may be the, the greatest thing I have ever heard. This may be the greatest segment on the BQ Moon Shop. Oh my god. I love it. Oh my god, I'm like my pants right now. And now you know why I've lost my mind. <laughs> oh. yeah. I mean, think about it. Like no, I think it's amazing. Because <laughs> when uric acid dries, it crystallizes. And right. that becomes like shards of glass down there. You know, right. that you yeah, cannot. I'm with you, Kim. I'm, I'm on your side. <laughs> and, so, uh, and you know, 
<laughs> and I have this thing Linda got, it's called a pee-pee cloth or something like that. Okay. So instead of using toilet paper, you can use this little cloth thing. And at the end of the day, before I pop out at camp and I'm still in the trail, I'm just going to take my water bottle and clean off the pee-pee cloth and use it again the next day. This has become the how-to ultra running podcast. <laughs> the how-to keep your privates yeah. clean. You, you know, <laughs> how, day, day, you know that the internet is forever, right? I mean, it's yeah. way <laughs> this be the next greatest podcast. This is going to be our highest ratings ever. No, oh. it's I'm not a good I, I'm not a good storyteller, but um, if there's one thing, you're a very good storyteller. Well, I know that that is what has been on our mind about this race is the stink and the oh, cleanliness. I, girl, when I was going camping, all I was worried about was how I was going to shave my legs. <laughs> yeah. Like I shave my legs twice a day and I'm going to do that. No you, matter what. You're allowed to bring luxury items like a toothbrush and toothpaste. That's oh, a luxury. That's luxury. <laughs> and I am doing that. <laughs> Jesus. All right. Well, you have to tell, we have to circle back okay. after you get back then. Okay, Kim. Well, we've got only got a few more minutes. I don't want to keep you have to keep you on all night. So, um, listen. Uh, closing words. Um, you know, I think the biggest thing about this podcast has been, um, you know, people going for something that's not easy, out of their comfort zone. Um, that's obviously a little scary, right? And you've mm -hmm. done a bunch of that. You've done a bunch of that over your career. And you continue to do that even with the the ultra that you're about to do. Is there a couple of things you want to share with our listeners in terms of like things that may have made you successful um, with your particular moonshots shots over your career? I think one of the things is you have to have somebody you trust in um, to help you lead the way. And more times than not, that's a coach. And um, a lot, because even at the elite level, they all have coaches, most of them. There's very few that have gone without coaches. Um, Alan Culpepper is one, I believe. Yeah. Um, I know there's a couple of others, but I just can't remember right now. But you need these people as your sounding board because a lot of times we think, you know, yeah. this might be good for us and maybe it's not. And usually that deals with rest, you know, or maybe choosing this race over another race or maybe even like the next step, like a building block, a building phase. Um, and so, cause early on, I was met with some resistance from a lot of family because you go, you know, you have a college degree while you're running. It makes no money. Well, you don't get into running for the money. Um, it's a lot of other ancillary things. And part of that is it is the scary uncharted waters. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I think just if you just keep grinding away and believing in yourself and believing in the people that believe in you, um, those moonshots become attainable. Um, and, uh, you know, and it's, it, it's frustrating along the way and it, and it should be frustrating along the way because you learn a lot through those frustrations and you learn a lot through those failures. It sucks that you have to go through all of that, but it's actually how you learn the most about 
yourself and oh, yeah, maybe sure. what not to do the next time. Yeah. So, uh, you know, with these ultras and whatnot, I'm, I'm actually the one that I'm, I'm looking at this. It's coming from me, the resistance and the reluctance that's coming from me, but it's people like Linda that are like, you know, you just need to just look at this as a whole new experience. Look at this as, um, something that you can have fun with, but it is challenging. And that could be with anything in life, you know, it's just taking a leap of faith and, um, you know, and just having the, you know, finding the people that support you in that, in that, you know, quest. And I think what you guys are doing with the moonshots, I mean, it's just unbelievable. Um, I didn't realize how many people you had on Bulletproof this. Yeah. Uh, I think you wanted 50 and you have over 200. Well, we have like 59 people qualified. Now, that doesn't mean everything. Right. But I mean, like you had over 200 yes. saying, count me in. Yes. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's unbelievable. And they're not just from Jacksonville. It's everybody that's, you know, around the country yeah. and even, I think, other parts of the world. Yeah. Um, yeah. Every, I have people saying, like, your husband's getting me to do this, blah, blah, blah. And I will just say, Kim, like, why would you say, like, <laughs> Like obviously, Paul oh, ruined my reputation as the mean girl. Is, you know, my workout person or whatever, but it's also like she doesn't like hugs. You yeah. know, Kim, you've helped me so much, and I think it's just like help, like list help, like you can surround yourself with just other people that um, you can learn from, and you know, you're like I consider you like my number one mentor, and like you help me so much. I know I don't like to be nice to you that much, but. Um, but I mean, but it, but it really is. Yeah. No, like she really is mean and she doesn't want to touch you or anything, but, but I mean, no, she doesn't like hugs. And, but I mean, I think that is true. Like you have like, yeah, you have your coach, but you have these people around you that like, you know, believe in you and lift you up and tell you all these things. And I mean, it all plays a big part and that's how you conquer these big things. It does because, you know, you look at your coach. Yeah. Cause you look at your coach and they're telling you all the right things. And because of that, ironically, you don't, sometimes don't believe I remember, them. I'll never forget last <laughs> and year so you when said you, to me, you said, you know, Paul tells me all the time, blah, blah, blah. He's my in shape. And you told me, I think you're in shape to run 247, but you just have to believe yourself. And I ran 254 and then like three months, you know, past you know eight months later I ran 247 but it was like but I mean that's the thing is like you have to have people around you that kind of help push you believe in those things because they're big goals and big goals are hard you know it's like it's it's so scary it's so scary and like like your coach and your friends and um you know when you're going for something big it's really really hard Mm -hmm. and I think that's what you found in Linda with you and um I mean, yeah, I mean, just, well, I mean, like with you guys too, because, um, you know, it doesn't matter what level you get to, a lot of things can still be scary. I mean, look at what, um, you know, we talked to Galen Rupp after River Run, and he's in a new phase of his life. He's 35. He's had these recurring injuries. He's had these injuries that have um, changed his gait a little bit. He's very frustrated. And, you know, he's having, not to say that he's having to, 
he is having to do things different. Yeah, he sure. even said that, you know. Um, but these are scary times for him too. And uh, he has to make sure that he surrounds himself with the people that could still believe in him yep. because there's other people that are saying he's done. So true. You know, um, but the, yeah, so it doesn't even matter what level, it doesn't matter um, I mean, when I, what level, like, you know, whether you're at the national, regional or local level, it does not matter because when you put in 110%, right. it's your 110%. It's 110%. <laughs> Right. It's your 110%. (laughs) And when you're putting, yeah, when you're putting in that effort and that commitment, it, it, you know, it it doesn't matter what level you are at. You just have to have, like you said, the people around you that will support you and believe in you and tell you why you should be able to do this and also be able to tell you why you shouldn't maybe. Right. You know what I mean? Because that's just as important. Yes, girl, you tell me that. That's why I need like a mean Kim in my group. I am mean Kim. Keep it that way. No, I love it. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening today. And again, special thanks to our guest, Kim. We really enjoy the show. I hope you learned a ton. And also, I hope you got a good laugh. If you like this podcast, be sure to share it, rate it, review it, and subscribe to it wherever you listen to your podcasts. We appreciate it. Now, if you haven't already, get out and go for a run.